0: K-U-N-N. K-U-N-M. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host tonight, Tracy Tram.
1: And I am commonly known as Kyle Ferris. We have an absolutely fabulous show tonight. Lu- Luis has an interview with a group from Robert F. Kennedy High School about the murders of young women in Juarez, Mexico.
0: We also have a roundtable discussion about the recent arrest of Highland High School principal Anthony Ace Trujillo.
1: And to top it off, a radio story about guys hugging. Like, dude, get off of me.
0: But first, we have Luis with our first music piece.
2: Thanks, Tracy. I'm really excited to share some of my very exciting songs tonight. First uh, is a band called Blur out of the UK. Um, Off their sophomore album entitled Park Life, this song is called Far Out.
3: I spy you
2: It's a hot track that was Guided by Voices with Gold Hick, and before that was Blur with Far Out, and next up is The Melvins with June Bug.
1: Recently, the principal of Highland High School, Anthony Ace Trujillo, was arrested for possession of drugs and tampering with evidence. Trujillo had a, and a companion were stopped for not wearing seatbelts. The officer noticed an open can of beer, which caused him to further investigate. Trujillo allegedly attempted to swallow a bag of cocaine and throw away some snort tubes. Trujillo is out of jail, and his case is pending. But enough of the news report. With me right now are three members of our collective who attend Highland High. My Lucky... Luis Martinez, and Mina Lee, who will discuss with us the impact of Trujillo's arrest. So, I'm sure a lot of the members of the community and our listeners are a bit unfamiliar with Highland High School. So why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about Highland? And what is it like? How is the, the culture there?
2: Well, um, Highland High School is actually the most diverse, um, ethnically diverse high school in the state. Um, It's located on Central and San Mateo, which is, uh, a lot of people consider it like a ghetto school, Um, but it's actually also a very um, economically diverse school, too. And there are, indeed, a bunch of rich kids who go there also. A lot of people don't know that.
1: So then, how has Trujillo's arrest affected the community at Highland? How has this impacted everyone?
2: Well, um, from what I've seen... In the Highland community itself, a lot of people are actually uh, missing Ace Trujillo, from the teachers to um, students there are even starting to wear, like, free free Ace shirts, and, like, we want Ace shirts. It's quite touching.
4: Yeah, but um, the impact that it that this has had on me isn't, like, a big impact because I'm not that close to him, or, well, I was never close to him, and... I don't really think I've ever said a word to him. So he wasn't really, like, there, but he really was. Yeah. But I don't really notice that he's gone.
1: So was he disassociated from the general workings of the school? Like, did he not uh, really participate with the students or interact very much?
2: Well, I think there were a bunch of kids who knew him, but there were just those, like, type of kids who, you know, talk to the principal. But, I mean, of course he was like an administrator, so he did a bunch of administrative things. It's just not exactly like my bag. Hmm.
1: So I've heard a lot of stuff about um, from the media sort of portraying Highland in a bad light because of this event, really shedding sort of a a negative type of uh, image on... The community at Highland. So, Avikar, tell us why. Why do you think that is? Why uh, is that type of reputation is does has Highland earned a bad reputation, or is that just because of this recent event, or is it completely unwarranted?
5: I think Highland's always had a bad reputation for some reason. I don't know, um, but I don't think that our reputation is only due to this event only. Um, I think we've had other teachers that have been arrested, but I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> I think that, like, I mean, of course, everyone complains about the media, but I think the media really gives people just what they want to hear and see, you know, because that's what sells. And there's kind of like a public, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of a demonization of um, the, the poor, really, of the kids who go to Highland, you know, they're like, oh, well, those are, those are Highland kids. The, you know, they're up to no good. They're not going to
1: turn out to be anything. So does that is that partially impacted maybe by the diversity of Highland? Just the fact that it is so... There's so many different types of people. Do you think that's maybe some latent racism?
2: Uh, yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, I... I don't... I don't like to speculate too much. I think everyone really has latent racial tendencies, whether they recognize them or not. And in the teachers at Highland... I mean, I have to say that I do sometimes recognize racial tendencies and their treatment of how I see, you know, Hispanic kids or whatever, or just, like, you know, poor kids get treated at Highland. Um, And in the community, like the wider community of Albuquerque, how people treat, like, Highland students or think of Highland students.
1: For any listeners tuning in right now, we are having a roundtable about the recent arrest of... Um, Ace Trujillo, the principal of Highland High School, Uh, panelists Avikar Lucky, Mina Lee, and Luis Martinez. So I want to talk a little bit about the uh, role of Trujillo as a principal, sort of the type of leadership role that a principal is supposed to have. Because the way I kind of see it, a principal is supposed to have is supposed to set a a certain example. He's supposed to be a role model for the rest of the school. Did do you think? Trujillo in his time at Highland fulfilled that type of role?
5: Maybe to like the jocks and sports players, but not like to me. I never really spoke to him or got to know him or whatever. So I I don't think he's been a role model to me, like to look up to him or anything like that.
4: Yeah, and this is my first year at Highland. So, and it's only like, three, four months. So I didn't really get to know him.
1: So is this type of um, (coughs) behavior, so from the way it sounds like you guys are saying, he really doesn't, he, he didn't have any type of real model role as the principal. Is this, should he be doing that? Is that something that Trujillo should have been living up to? Is that something that any type of principal or any official should be doing? Should they be setting a certain code of conduct and... Uh, behavior for the rest of us to follow?
2: Well, I think if you look at, like, the kind of elected officials that we have, uh, I mean, as far as reflecting on this most recent occurrence, uh, Mr. Trujillo is, like, pretty much par for the course as far as our elected officials go, Um, you know, as far as, like, being arrested or, like, Tom DeLay under indictment for conspiracy and money laundering, um, or, like, you know, Dick Cheney dodging the bullet uh, for exposing uh, Valerie Plame... And things like that. Or even in New Mexico, um, our former APS superintendent got busted for DWI. Uh, So I I think, like, if you want to look at, like, um, our elected officials across the board, I don't see how any of them can really be looked up to as role models. All
1: right. Well, thanks, guys. Do you have any uh, maybe concluding final thoughts at all? I think
2: that people should just keep in mind that Mr. Trujillo had been working for the district for almost 30 years, and that this is, like, you know, it's an isolated incident, and he doesn't have, like, a history of getting busted all the time or anything. And I think that people should really just, like, you know, open their hearts and give the man a second chance.
4: Yeah, I agree with Louise. I think he could deserve a second chance, but wherever he'll end up, like, at a different school or anything or something, that those students or teachers or just people in that community— they won't let him, like, live that down or, like, put his past behind him.
5: Um, I agree with Mina, like, with the whole thing where they're not going to let him live it down or whatever, but I still don't think he should have a second chance to be in that type of position of power or being a role model because he's shown that he can't be a real, good role model, so... And I don't know why he would want to be a principal, <clears throat> or be in any type of position, to be a role model if he, if he's like shown that he can't do it. I don't know why he would want to do it again. Like if people aren't going to respect him. So,
1: thanks everyone for your insights, panelists again, Avikar Lucky, Mina Lee, and Luis Martinez. And now I believe we have some more music, Luis.
2: That's right. Of course, next
1: I must choose Failure. This song is
2: called Moth by Failure. was failure with moth and uh next up is some modest mouse but don't worry um this is off the lonesome crowded west i think that's on uh, up records or something definitely not epic um this song is called heart cooks brain that was guided by voices and the song is called chicken blows um interesting fact uh that entire album was recorded on a four-track audio cassette it's lo-fi and now to tracy
0: it's not very common to see guys hug is it in today's youth radio commentary steven taggle talks about why hugging is a complicated issue for guys taggle talks about the different types of hugs He says he doesn't like sissy hugs and prefers a more intimate hug.
6: It's about 9 o'clock at night, the day before school starts, and my best friend and I are standing on his porch, hugging. We've been at it for about two minutes now, but I'm not counting. The quiet takes us over, and it's okay to just stand there, bathed in porch light, holding each other once the hug's worn off. I don't know how to describe it other than warm. Jason hugs me and I hug back, all the while wondering if he's cold in that small black t-shirt. We stand and hold, heads nestled on our shoulders, prolonging our goodbye with soft sighs. Leaving home each fall is tough, and these hugs are the reason why. These hugs make me miss him before we even start to let go. Jason and I don't hug because we're gay. We don't hug because we're girly men. We hug because we're best friends. And that's all there is to it. Still, most guys don't hug like Jason and I hug. Sure, they bump chests, twist nipples, and slap each other's butts. But they don't hug. In situations of extreme emotion, manly men resort to the lame cousin of the heartfelt embrace. The man hug. The man hug has three key components. First, length. Keep it short. Five seconds or less. Apparently, only a short window of heterosexual interaction exists before the hug drifts into the homoerotic. Then comes the exaggerated back pat, which usually begins at second two or three, and rapidly gains momentum. This back beating stresses a key point of the man-hug. Hugging is sissy, but hitting is cool. Whenever a guy hugs, he's got to make up for his embarrassingly effeminate display of affection by causing a little pain. Finally, there's the growl. Man hugs often end with a deep, throaty growl, some kind of kickback to our primate days. If that doesn't get your testosterone pumping, I'm not sure what will. It seems that the man hug is everywhere. Just turn on the TV. In the movie Grease, a five second hug between bad boy Danny Zuko and his best friend Kaniki morphs into a hair-combing contest as soon as they realize they're being watched. On Friends, Chandler models the exaggerated back pat on Joey, while emphasizing how much he likes him as a friend. Meanwhile, on The Tonight Show, Jay Leno mocks the heartfelt hugs that John Kerry and John Edwards shared on the campaign trail. Leno has even gone so far as to create a video montage of the running mate's hugs, said to Joe Cocker's, you are so beautiful. This is the way men in our society express emotion, so please... Tell me, what's with the man-hug? Don't tell me it's intimate or satisfying. Don't tell me it's even bearable. Come on, why can't men hug for real? After all, look at how far we've come. We're allowed to buy express jeans and read GQ. We're allowed to cry at movies and stay home with the kids. Sensitive new-age men are in demand. So what's all the fuss about? Why are we afraid? The man-hug is rooted so deeply in fear that it doesn't deserve the title. It's not the man-hug. It's a scaredy-cat hug. A sissy hug. Now I have a confession to make. I don't hug other guys the way I hug Jason. When we're apart, I become aloof, really. A closet hugger. I'll take a hug, but I won't initiate. I'll hug you if you raise your arms to me. But don't expect me to run up to you on the street. It's hard to talk about Jason with others in a meaningful way, the way he means to me. It's hard for me to describe our hugs, to explain them without feeling like I have to defend them to others. This reticence troubles me. If I'm so comfortable with the hugs that Jason and I share, then why can't I share them with my roommate? If I can't stand the sissy hug, why am I not above it? Inevitably, I find myself still tied to the archaic social conventions that bind all guys, the same social conventions that command, Thou shalt not hug, and make us feel effeminate and unworthy. Real men don't hug. They also don't exist. I know that the sissy hug's what comes natural. I know it's the way we're used to conducting ourselves around other men. But come on. That's not the right way to hug a friend. Jason and I don't bother with the sissy hug. We don't growl or sock each other in the back. We don't reflexively pull away five seconds after we touch. Instead, we hug and hold with masculine confidence, sharing hugs that are warm, full-bodied, and irresistible. What's a best friend for, anyway, if not to hug? This is the real man hug. I wouldn't have it any other way
0: And now we'd like to briefly tell you how you can get involved with Youth Radio.
1: So why are we talking to you about this now? Well, our Youth Radio Collective has begun running shows very successfully for quite a while. Now we need more members to help us continue that success. In short, we need you.
0: If you're between the ages of 13 and 18, we need your creativity and upbeat attitude as we continue to produce produce our weekly shows.
1: Upon starting your time here, you'll be greeted by our lively group. You'll get a chance to make some great new friends, learn the -the behind-the-scenes workings of a radio station, speak your mind through pre-recorded and live pieces that will air every Sunday, and even step out into the community to get the voice of all youth out there.
0: But remember, be ready not only to have fun, but to work seriously as well. Take it from us here at the station. It will require your time, focus, devotion, and patience to learn the mechanics you'll need, and to reach your fullest potential for performing every production task needed
1: as far as time you'll need eight hours open each week from three to five on mondays four to six on fridays and four to eight on sundays
0: as you begin thought of college this work will surely look good on your college application if you're interested and would like to try out the experience go to our website at www.kunm.org to fill out an application No prior experience is required.
1: Want more information? Call 277-8014. Again, 277-8014 and see what you can do to get active here at Youth Radio.
0: Today, today, Luis Martinez, one of our youth collective members, will be interviewing a high school student and a teacher from Robert F. Kennedy High School who have spent the last year and a half raising awareness on the devastating murders of young women in Juarez, Mexico. Take it away Luis.
2: Okay, Um, tonight we'll be discussing a pretty heavy issue which is the issue of the ongoing femicide in Juarez, Mexico. Um, Since the early 90s, the murders of over 350 girls and young women combined with the unexplained disappearance of almost as many has prompted the UN to declare Juarez the most dangerous place in the world for for women today. Last Saturday, a group of students from RFK went down to Juarez to participate in an international protest against the inaction and stagnation of policy concerning this ongoing crisis. Last year, students from RFK and Highland High School successfully lobbied state legislators to pass a memorial concerning the femicide in in Juarez, youth community action which comprises to date one of the largest positive factors in this struggle against latent racism, classism, and overwhelming female victimization. This year, they will return to the Capitol to push for more tangible and aggressive policy. Tonight, we have Stephanie Rodriguez and her teacher, Jesse Young, from RFK Charter High School in Albuquerque, live in the KUNM studio to discuss this issue. Welcome to KUNM, and thanks for coming up to the studio tonight, Stephanie and Jesse.
3: Thank you for having us.
2: Okay, um, so maybe you guys can tell our listeners a little bit more about the problem in Juarez and why this remains such a persistent problem.
7: Okay, well, it remains a persist. Okay, well, what's going on in Juárez, Mexico, is that a lot of young Hispanic poor women are being murdered, killed, uh, are missing, Um,
2: and maybe you can tell us why. Because this has been going on for uh, some put it as much as as long as sixteen years. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can tell us why there isn't why people why people aren't upset about this.
3: Well, there hasn't been um, a real police investigation um, or or um, prosecution of of the guilty parties. I think in part because most of the the young women, the, all the victims, have been poor, and and so are um, pretty powerless and and unable to. Uh, move move the uh police force in, in Mexico much um there has been evidence uh, supplied by the FBI to the Mexican government that there are um at least five or six prominent individuals involved in these murders and although the Mexican government received this information from the FBI to date nothing has been done with it um I mean, there's 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 many theories about who is doing the murders and why they're being protected, but uh, the uh, underlying message seems to be that they are powerful individuals with a great deal of money, and that the um, police and the the forces of law in in the state of Chihuahua seem to be at their disposal.
2: So um, it sounds like the people who this is directly the victims of of these crimes are pretty powerless. But it seems to me like this is an issue which is, um, you know, it crosses crosses borders, you know. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about how you got interested in this issue and how you got involved.
7: Okay, well, I started at RFK in the middle of my 10th grade year. And a little while after that, Jessie um, came up to me and asked me if I wanted to be a part of um, figuring out what to do about the Wattis murders. And I told her, sure. And in the beginning, I was kind of a little iffy because I didn't understand and I didn't know what was really going on. And after watching the movies, it got to me because I see a lot of girls my age, my little sister's age, being killed for no apparent reason because they want to work and they need to make a life. And that's, I got involved because it's like, if it happened here, it would be dealt with a lot faster, and we'd have the support of everybody here in the United States, and they don't have that support. So I kind of felt like I needed to give a little bit of that so they had more hope for themselves.
2: Okay, so um, it sounds like, I mean, as as a young woman that you can identify, And as a human being, even, that, you know, these are just people trying to work, you know, and trying to sustain, you know, life. Um, So, and of course, you guys went to the legislature and successfully um, lobbied them to pass a memorial. So can you tell us a little bit about the importance of raising awareness around this issue through legislation and your actions at the Capitol? Well,
7: our actions... um and I didn't do this alone. I did this with the uh, students from Highland and uh, Daryl, Josh, and a lot of other students from RFK. Uh, I'd say about ten other students. <clears throat> um, we wrote the memorial, and it's memorial number thirty-one. And we held the, we had the help of Jerry Pino. and. Um,
3: Well, the legislation raised awareness. I mean, because the murders are so poorly reported, you don't open up the Albuquerque Journal and read about the investigation of the murders. You don't see it on Action 7 News or Channel 4. It's as if it's not happening. So bringing it to the attention of the legislature was a way to put it on the table. You know, this is part of our public discussion. Um and we'll be going back to the legislature in this session in January with follow-up legislation.
2: Uh, okay. Um, so now I, I know the, you're talking about Action 7 News and Channel 4. And of course the media in Mexico is probably even less responsive to this issue. And I, I know that a lot of the people who've tried to investigate it in Mexico and the lawyers who've tried to uh, actually prosecute people have been threatened and even at times murdered. And uh, you were telling me a little bit before about the boycotts surrounding this issue.
3: Well, many of the victims um, were coming to and from work in the maquiladoras. The maquiladoras are um, internationally owned companies operating um, tax-free along the border between the United States and Mexico. Companies from the U.S. have moved to this area because labor is cheap and environmental laws are not um, enforced. Um, so you can operate at um, much greater profit. Um, they don't provide much security for, the, for their workforce, um, and some of their policies have been um, contributing factors in, in the kidnappings and the, and the rapes and murders of these young women. Um, so there was a movement on um, some discussion about boycotting products that come from these maquiladoras, um, however, the women in the border area um, asked that there not be a boycott because they were afraid of losing their jobs. Even though $3.40 a day is the minimum wage in Mexico a day, um, there are places in the world where companies could find work even cheaper. So um, the women are asking that there not be a boycott. So, um, But there's other ways... Um, and especially here in New Mexico, that we can influence, I believe, what's going on. And um, we know that New Mexico police are training the police in Juarez and have been for years. Um, And we think that that means that we are directly involved with forces that are at at least blocking investigation of the murders. So we'd like the governor to order a full report on those training programs. Who are we training and what are we training them to do?
2: Now you're talking about the kind of profits that multinational corporations see and these tax-free zones, which are the result of uh, NAFTA, which was signed into effect by Bill Clinton in 99, I believe. 91. 91. Um, pardon 93. Me. 93? I could be wrong. Somewhere <laughs> around there. In 91. The 90s. It was in the 90s. So um, I think the issue here is really accountability, like who is accountable? And uh, we can see that this is clearly an issue that has accountability within the United States. Um. I think we're running out of time here, so maybe you could tell our listeners where they could find more information about this issue?
3: Yes. Um, amnesty International this year has taken on the situation in Juarez as one of their big issues um, of injustice in the world. And if you go to amnestyinternational.org on the internet, there are a number of ways that they will get you involved directly.
2: Okay. Uh, Well, thank you guys both for coming up to the studio and taking your time with this interview today.
3: Thank you so much.
7: Thank you.
2: And now another song. This band is called Gomez. The song is called Get Myself Arrested.
0: Welcome to the fabulous Youth Radio weekly calendar for December 11th, 2005. You know it's why you really listen to our show. Not only am I your regular host, I'm your calendar host too. We have a great lineup of exciting and intriguing events for this this week, don't we, Michael?
8: We sure do, Tracy, starting with a performance of everyone's favorite Disney classic, Beauty and the Beast. Belle and all of her friends dance and sing onto the stage of the Kiva Auditorium in this production of the Broadway hit based on the 1991 blockbuster movie, Be Their Guest, from now through December 24th. For more information, call Ticketmaster at 883-7800 or visit their website at www.ticketmaster.com.
0: Let the Christmas celebrations begin. Toys will dance, dreams will become reality, and of all things a nutcracker will save the day. The traditional holiday treat, the Nutcracker Ballet, comes to the Kimo Theater from December 16th through the 23rd, with school performances on December 14th, December 14th and 15th. Call Ticketmaster at 883-7800 or visit www dot for more information
8: but what to do if the nutcracker is too traditional for your taste
0: i don't know michael what do we do about that
8: well the nutcracker with a twist has also arrived for the holidays with a new home at the national hispanic cultural center nutcracker on the rocks performs from december 2nd to the 4th and this year there's twice the fun to enjoy there is of course the performance itself featuring music inspired by Aretha Franklin, James Brown, the Rolling Stones, and more. But there's even more fun after the December 3rd and 4th shows. Visit the National Hispanic Cultural Center's official website, www.nhccnm.org, for further information on the exciting events following the show. Call Ticketmaster at 883-7800 or visit www.ticketmaster.com For additional information.
0: Well, Michael, all of those events sound events sound great, but I'm more in the mood for something cultural.
8: Ooh, got any suggestions for that, Tracy?
0: Why, yes I do. From now until January 31st, the Anderson Studio and Gallery is holding a very special event. They get a close up glimpse of China without ever leaving New Mexico. Because China, a first view, is the current exhibition at the gallery. You can visit www.AndersonStudioGallery.com or call the Anderson Anderson Studio at 242-2531 for more information.
8: Are you still yearning for more Christmas events in the area? Why not take a drive to the magical and captivating town of Madrid? From now until December 24th, the town is officially caught up in the Christmas spirit. 50,000 lights turn the small village into a winter wonderland. There will be a stagecoach ride, and most businesses and galleries will be open late with delicious refreshments. Madrid is located between Santa Fe and Albuquerque on Highway 14. Call 474-0344 for more information.
0: Hey Michael, have you ever seen elves?
8: No, Tracy, can't say I know any of them personally.
0: Well, now's your chance to get a glimpse of Santa's world-famous helpers. Soul Arts is holding a special Christmas variety show on December 16th at 9 45 p.m. See films, hear live music, and encounter some unusually disgruntled day-laborers from Santa's workshop. Talk about Christmas spirit. Soul Arts is located at 712 Central Avenue Southeast. Visit www.soularts.org or call 244-0049 for more information.
8: Well, Tracy, it looks like that's all of the big events going on this week.
0: That's right, new releases. But Michael, what if I'm not just feeling up to doing all those fun things this week? Isn't there anything a bit more simple to do?
8: Well, you could always go see a movie.
0: That's right, new releases this week include the C.S. Lewis's classic tale, Come to Life. Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy must def- defeat the White Witch before Narnia freezes over forever. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Chronicles of Narnia. It's a holiday treat.
8: Other movies now playing include Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which chronicles the most dangerous adventure of the boy wizard. Rent, the Broadway Tony Award-winning musical, with the original cast reprising their roles as the singing bohemians from New York's east side. And Walk the Line, the story of the legendary Johnny Cash.
0: And on Friday the 16th, a whole new batch of movies hit the big screen. The Broadway hit The Producer Arrives, along with the enormously anticipated King Kong directed by Peter Jackson. And the story of a geisha comes to life with stunning visuals in memoirs of geisha.
8: Want to know what else will be playing at a theater near you? Contact your nearest theater or visit www.regalcinemas.com for more information.
0: I hope none of you out there are sitting and waiting for more events this evening. We would love to have even more each week, but we need your help to do it. Please remember that you can contact us with your events and everyone will hear them here on Youth Radio. Email us with your information about your events at youthradio at kunm.org. We take announcements through Thursday before our Sunday program.
8: And now it's time to get back to the regular flow of things. This has been your Youth Radio weekly calendar for December 11, 2005. Remember, if you missed any events announced on tonight's calendar... You can visit our website at www.konm.org youthradio youth radio to view the entire calendar. We'll catch you next week with more events going on around New Mexico and now back to our regularly scheduled program.
0: And now we have reached the end of our program tonight.
1: We hope you enjoyed our broadcast. In keeping with our newfound youth radio tradition, we shall attach massive adjectives to our descriptions tonight.
0: Our highly skilled engineer was Evan Molson.
1: Our marvelous producer was Mars Chalan.
0: The incredible music selections were hosted by Luis Martinez.
1: Our informative calendar hosts are Michael Harley and Tracy Tram.
0: The Highland High Roundtable was hosted by Kyle Ferris. Panelists were Vigra Lucky, Mina Lee, and Luis Martinez.
1: Special thanks to Luis Martinez for the Juarez interview and his guests Jesse Young and Stephanie Rodriguez for sharing their insights into femicide.
0: Thanks to Stephen Tago for the To Hug or Not to Hug piece.
1: Other members in the Youth Radio Collective are Kirby Platero, Joe Savage, Wes Barber, and Lucia Martinez.
0: Our adult co conspirators are Roberta Riel, Christopino, Marcos Martinez, Paul Ingalls, Steve Emmons, Mercedes Mejia, and Otiyama Umi.
1: I'm your host, Kyle Ferris.
0: And I'm Tracy Tram. Email us with your comments to Youth, <laughs> youth Radio. At KUNM.org.
1: Thanks for listening to Youth Radio 89.9 FM, KUNM. Next up is Spoken Word.
2: All right. Uh, This is one of the last songs I got lined up for you tonight. Uh, So I hope you enjoy your pants off on this one. It's by Mogwai. It's called With Portfolio. If you thought that was the weirdest song we were going to play on youth radio tonight, you didn't expect Brian Wilson off of Smile with Roll Plymouth Rock.